Welcome to Full Court Press, and I'm Liam Griffin. Will, I gotta tell you, now that the MLB has a plan to return, July can't come soon enough, because God willing, everything will be back next month. Liam, I'm not, gonna, I'm not going to be the biggest baseball fan on your show, but I'm excited for any sports to start again. But if you take a step back, between July and October, we are going to have an incredible run of sports going on. The NBA, NFL, and MLB are all going to be on at the same time, which is unbelievable. Hey, With hey, 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 there. don't leave out the NHL. Can't forget about the NHL. Even without fans, the return of sports will undoubtedly be a welcome thing. All right, boys and girls, back with me today is a man who, honestly, might be the fourth ball brother in disguise, given how much he adores talking about them, <laughs> Mr. Will Turlton. He's laughing, he's not denying it. Alright, but on today's episode, we will not be talking about the Ball Brothers. We will be taking a trip down memory lane and discussing the top 10 all-time shooting guards and all-time wide receivers. Will, let's start with the shooting guards. Who's your number 10? Liam, I would first like to say thank you for having me on. I'm always happy to be here, and I love coming back time and time again to prove that my knowledge of sports is superior to yours. Ooh, man, I... Strongly disagree with that statement, but hey, we'll see. Alright, uh, let's get right into it. My number 10 shooting guard of all time is Tracy McGrady. Uh, T-Mac was one of the premier scorers in the league when he was in Orlando, and sadly injuries kept him from becoming an all-time great. Um, the reason why I have him so low is because he never made it out of the first round until he was a complete scrub in San Antonio. Um... For this, I can't put him any higher, but uh, give me some prime T-Mac, Liam. I actually did not include T-Mac on this list, only because only because I consider his primary position to be point guard. You can disagree with that all you want, but I have no disrespect towards the great career that Tracy McGrady had. He played a big role for the Yao Ming-led Houston Rockets teams. No one's denying that, but I just think that his primary position was point guard. Now, on to my number 10, who, after recent events, is the only active player on this list. I put the arguably the MVP of the NBA right now, James Harden, at number 10. You may be asking, why isn't he higher? He's been having all these scoring outbursts over the past four or five, five to six years. But I don't think I can consider James Harden a true all-time great. Until he's got a ring on his finger. I just don't. The dude has a history of choking in the playoffs. And two years ago, you can blame it on Chris Paul's injury all you want. But the Rockets had 10-point leads in both games 6 and 7 at halftime. Yet, still managed to choke both those games away to the Golden State Warriors. I mean, you can blame that on Chris Paul all you want. But you got to give credit where credit is due to the Warriors, and you got to give blame where blame is due, and James Harden just fully deserves the blame he got for those losses. And quite frankly, if he's going to skyrocket his way up to this list, he needs to get a ring. But given all the success he has had in Houston, I could not fathom not including him on this list. All right, Liam, I'll deal with that nonsense later. I can't believe nonsense that you put James Harden that low, man. I, I'm, I'll get, I'll get into it later. I'll get okay, into okay, it. okay, okay. All right, so number nine, I put George Gervin. George Gervin. I'm sorry. Uh, you can argue he's a small forward, but I put him here. Uh, 
The Iceman was a four-time scoring champ in the late 70s for the Spurs. Um, he was also uh, one of the most efficient scorers the league has ever seen. He averaged over 25 a game his entire career. Um, and I don't really have much more to say because I never saw him play, but uh, I feel like um, he has deserved this spot um, by becoming an all-time great scorer um, for his position. All right, my number nine is, after 22 seasons, is officially calling it a career now, and that is Vince Carter. I mean, in my opinion, the second best dunker in NBA history behind Dr. J, but that's a discussion for another time. But, but looking at his stats, man, I just see, when he was in Toronto, New Jersey, he was just an unstoppable scoring machine. I know the numbers went down as he got older, but that's going to happen, and his career scoring average might be a bit skewed because he played so late into played such a late career, retiring at the age of forty three. I mean, that is unheard of for the NBA. I mean, the only other person that I could think of that's done it across all sports recently is one Tom Brady. I mean, the one thing that tarnishes his resume a little bit was that he never won a championship. I'd say it's the only thing, but other than that, I mean. Everyone's going to remember that Vince Sanity dunk from the blah, 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 dunk contest. And Air Canada takes a lot to earn that nickname. Sure does. Uh, I, I included him. I would include him as a small forward. So okay. No disrespect to Vince Carter. Uh, so at number six for me, uh, I have Reggie Miller. Number six? I'm sorry, number eight. Number eight. I'm sorry, number eight. <laughs> Uh, second leading three-point shooter ever uh, earned this spot through two things, longevity and playoff success. Um, he was the best player for many Pacers teams uh, that were very, very close to winning a championship and were contenders year after year in the 90s and early 2000s. Uh, he gave Jordan's Bulls the toughest matchup ever in the 98, 98 playoffs. That's according to Jordan, not me. Uh, and then we all know what he did to Spike Lee's Knicks, uh, which were a better team, but ultimately, Reggie was just too clutch for the Knicks in the end, with some legendary performances, including the eight points in nine seconds, uh, and one of the best trash, trash talkers ever ends up at number eight for me, Liam. You know, great minds do think alike sometimes, and... You and I see eye to eye on this one. My number eight is also Reggie Miller. I mean, I think you said pretty much all there is to say about him. I mean, the dude was a perennial scorer. He could create three-point percentage. It rounds up to 40%. That is That goes to show how good of a shooter he was. I mean, five-time All-Star, three-time All-NBA. If it weren't for Jordan's Bulls, his Pacers would probably have won a championship, if you ask me. Excuse me. Alright, and, uh, so I can have some of the spotlight now, because you told, stole all my words about Reggie Miller. I'm going to go with my number seven, a guy you actually touched on earlier, and that is George Gervin, who was a, a scorer in his own right for the San Antonio Spurs. I mean, I'm taking a look at his stats right here. <clears throat> Career average of 25 points per game, four-time scoring champ. I'd say the only thing missing... From his resume is that ring because he was not on the great Spurs teams and 
Yeah. You know, well, he had a short career, too. I mean, he only played until he was 33, and he was on the Bulls for his last year in 1986. That was the, that was the I think he's got disguised as Michael Jordan year, but if he carries that out in Chicago for a few more years, he would get that ring. Perhaps Michael Jordan would even get it sooner, dare I say it, because when you pair Michael Jordan with a scorer with George Gervin's caliber, you know, I really don't think that's a stoppable force. I mean... Look at what he did with Scottie Pippen and Steve Kerr as his third option, to say the least. Very true, very true. Um, Alright, so, I really think for me, I, I don't really have a problem if you switch up my 10 through 7 picks, but number 7, I have Ray Allen. Ooh. That's a little low for him, buddy. Uh, I really wanted to put him higher, but I just felt like these six guys were just better basketball players than, than he was. But uh, Jesus Shuttleworth uh, had a very long career. He has two championships to finish it off with. Um, and I think people forget uh, that he was an elite scorer, not just shooter, in the beginning of his career with Milwaukee and Seattle. Um, and... Uh, I mean, I don't have much more to say about him. He's one of the better playoff performers in NBA history. And not to mention, he single-handedly saved LeBron from only having two championships. We'll, we'll get there, Liam. We'll get there, Liam. But, yes, he did save LeBron completely. Um, and he hit many clutch shots for your Celtics. Yeah, he did. Obviously, the one for LeBron in the 2013 Finals. Um, but what honestly makes that shot so incredible to me is how he practiced that shot every day before a game. And, like, who practices that shot, honestly? Yeah, Ray Allen had Ray Allen had this crazy pregame routine that I'll touch on a little bit more later. Yeah, he would show up hours before everyone else. But he knew it was six steps from the block to the three-point line without looking and... I want to put him higher, Liam, but I just felt like there's six guys, six shooting guards that are better than him. Okay, I guess we'll agree to disagree. Who's your number six? Uh, number six for me, I have Clyde Drexler, uh, one of the premier scorers of the late 80s and early 90s. Drexler led the Trailblazers to the finals twice in a very tough Western Conference with the Lakers, the Jazz, the Rockets, and go on and on, the Nuggets. Um, and I think, obviously, he later won a ring in Houston, and I think um, people don't give him enough credit for how uh, well he played on that championship team in 95. Oh, no, people don't. People do not give him enough credit. My number six is also Drexler, and I've had a long, ongoing debate about who's better with between Hakeem Olajuwon and Larry Bird with one of my buddies, and he continues, he always points out that Drexler was garbage when he was with the Rockets for that championship team, but stats say differently. He averaged over 21 points a game. Yeah, he did. He, he was a, a premier, premier scorer. The Rockets, are, the Rockets do not win that championship without Clyde Drexler. I, I guarantee. I agree, Liam, I agree. Uh, also, I think 
So I'll, I'll explain my reasoning why I have Drexler over your guy Ray Allen. So I feel like his two finals runs in uh, 89 and uh, was it 92? I think so. Um, I feel like um, no, it was 90 and 92. I'm sorry. 90 and 92. No, you're good. Um, I just felt like those two playoff runs did enough to pass him over Ray Allen because Ray Allen never really led a team far in the playoffs. Okay, That's yeah, I got you. I got you. The number one option, and he did it twice. Uh, and that's my reason. I'll let you go ahead. All right, my number. I'll go into my number five, and I have a man that some foolishly consider a point guard, but anyone, uh, I believe him to be a premier shooting guard in the National Basketball Association, and that is. AI, Allen Iverson, I mean, in his prime, the dude was a 30-point-per-game scorer, he, and his career average show it finished up averaging 27 points per game. The one thing he didn't do was bring home a ring. I mean, MVP, 11-time All-Star, Hall of Famer for a reason, and his handles were second to none in his era. Arguably, you could argue... He had the greatest handles of all time. I'm not going to say that he does, but it's definitely worth arguing. For sure. Alright, Liam. I I have Harden here at number five. Okay, fire away. So, um, I don't feel like I need to say much. I didn't feel like I need to say much, but I mean, now I do. So, James Harden, I think, is the best scorer on this list so far, that any of us have ever mentioned. Whoa, 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 whoa. Did you honestly just say he's the best scorer on the list when, oh, by the way, the all-time three-point champ is on the list? I think, you're telling me Ray Allen's a better scorer than, scorer than James Harden. Yeah, he can shoot unlike any other player in the league history. Oh, my goodness. I strongly disagree. All right, well, regardless of that, putting him at 10 is just completely disrespectful. How many rings does he have? How many rings does he have? The reason why you put him at 10 is you say he didn't have a ring. Am I correct? And he, had, and he hasn't led a team to the finals the way guys like AI have. Okay, I don't have a problem with you putting AI over him. But you look. I'm looking down the list. I, I No one else here has a ring that you've mentioned so far. Yeah, be, yeah but okay, let me put it this way. He is a, Vin, Vince okay. Carter never went to the finals. Vince, Vince Carter and George Gervin's career are over, right? If if you look at it, maybe Harden is more talented as an individual, but if you compare their two careers side by side, right now, those two have had better careers. A few years down the line, Harden will definitely be higher on this list. I'm just gonna say that right now. Hopefully right, you can right. hopefully you can respect that. I can respect that. I still I still feel like he's done enough to pass all of these other guys before him, and I felt like that that was a reason why I had him so high is because the big knock on James Harden was uh, playoff success in quote-unquote choking in the playoffs, which I think is an unfair statement. Uh, oh, it's, ve- it's very fair. I don't know what you're talking about. I mean, Liam, four of his last five years, he has lost to the greatest basketball team of all time. Yeah, but in one of those five years, he was up 3-2 to two and had double-digit leads in both games 6 and 7 and still managed to choke them both. 
right. That is is also true. Oh, and need I remind you, three years ago, Game 6 against San Antonio, no Kawhi Leonard at home. They lose by 40. Liam, I was was at that game, and I almost gave up on James Harden there. That That was the worst playoff performance I've ever seen. In a long time, but I will not. I will disagree with you there. But I think, like losing losing Chris Paul, just absolutely destroyed all their momentum. Chris Paul was the difference maker in that series, and like for the we saw the Warriors last year. You take out Kevin Durant, Steph Curry can't handle the load all by himself. He did in Game Six against. Oh wait, wait, wait. oh, did I forget? Game six, last year, Warriors have no Kevin Durant. Golden opportunity to force another game seven. Warriors still beat the Rockets on their home court in game six. You cannot deny that, Will. I I, I cannot, Liam. I cannot cannot argue that postseason success is holding him back, but I still feel like the guys in front of him have not done enough in the postseason to be put ahead of James Harden. Give him more influence in the front office, then. I'm sorry. Oh, wait, 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 wait. I, misunder- I misinterpreted your statement. My bad. My bad. All right, you want me to go at number four? Yeah, give, yeah. yeah go with your number four. All right, number four, I have AI. Um, uh, the greatest basketball player, six feet or under. I think that's period. Uh, no, no debates there. Um, None. I was very close to putting Harden ahead of AI, but in the end... Um, AI led, um, AI has led a roster that is worse than any Harden's ever played for. To the finals. During one of the best postseason runs in NBA history. Um, and he's a much better defender, he's a four-time steals leader. Um, but Liam, I'm trying to, I'm trying to figure out the logic. I can understand, to a degree, you putting Ray Allen over some of these guys, but Allen Iverson, Liam... Where, but, where is your where is your logic here? AI had I don't think you can punish AI for not winning a championship. Okay, hold on. Ray Allen is my number four. I'm just going to say that right here. Who is the best point guard to ever play? Will I think you, it should be obvious? Magic Johnson. Who's number two? Ooh, um, probably the Big O, Oscar Robertson. Oh, really? Okay. Who's the best? Okay. Who's the best active point guard? Best active point guard. Uh, Steph Curry. There Steph you Curry. go. Steph Curry, you can put him at two. That is why I have Ray Allen at number four. Steph Curry can shoot. He's a better playmaker than Ray Allen, but in today's NBA, and in Allen's era, the three-point shot grew more and more popular, and Ray Allen was a master artist at it. I mean, it may be because I have a particular affinity for shooting. I don't know why. But for that reason, I have Ray Allen number four. I mean, no one shot better than him. The only person that you, you can make a case for that's a better shooter than him all time is Steph Curry, and he probably already is. But I'm, I love shooting, and that's why I have Ray Allen so high. You can be critical all you want. All right, so I'm not going to debate that he is the second best shooter of all time. However, I feel like Throughout his career, I feel like um, he has never he has never led his team to much success. He was 
honestly, he was the third option on your Celtics team. Yeah, he was. That's the crazy and, part. And he was not even he was not even the third option on the big three Heat. Um, so I don't I don't feel like he has. I don't feel like he has a like a a number one or even number two option has led his team to anything. And you look at AI, who led his team with zero offensive help to yeah. the final. I feel like AI. Um, I feel like AI has definitely done enough to put himself uh, over Ray Allen. You do make a great argument, but I feel like. Um, hey, hey, man! That's just you. That's you. That's me. All right, you can go to number three. All right, I'll go with my number three. I have, uh, and you made the point about earlier about the top six, or like seven through ten being interchangeable. I honestly feel the same way about four through ten because, in my mind, there are clear-cut top three in the NBA all-time. And my number three is uh, Dwayne Wade of the Miami Heat, primarily. I mean, the dude was as good of a scorer as any. I mean... No one's ever going to forget that one shot. I don't remember if it was last year where... Against the Warriors? Yeah, yeah, that crazy bank shot at the buzzer against the Warriors. You can call you can call that quote-unquote luck all you want, but he was a... He's an unbelievable scorer. I mean, the numbers regressed as he got older. You, could, you can expect that. I mean, three-time NBA champ. He's the one that got LeBron over that hump. LeBron couldn't win without him. So that that being said, I mean, pure as pure as any, if you ask me. All right. Um, uh, I have also D Wade at number three. I agree that there is um, a pretty large gap between Dwayne Wade and everyone else. Just like I feel like there's a big gap between two and three. But um, I feel like uh, what puts the Flash over all these guys is. His three rings, but most importantly, his number, his first ring. He uh, is the only guy besides the first two guys to truly lead his team to a championship, be the best player, and be the main offensive guy, um, and lead his team to a championship. And he also has two other rings. Um, the only argument I'm going to make, Liam, is you said LeBron can't win without him. I think that's a very unfair statement. Um, LeBron couldn't win without him. I know. I'm disagreeing with you. I don't think. Yeah, I think he didn't. He didn't he, win until he was with two fellow superstars. Well, if you look at the roster he had in Cleveland, not even Michael Jordan could have won with that roster. So that that's just my argument. Um, but, and, but I will say this: to relate to my number three, it was not easy to guard Dwayne Wade. But do you know what is easy? Podcasting with Anchor. All right, with that, we move on to our number twos. Will, I think I know who it is, but I could be wrong. If you don't have this person at number two, I might as well call you crazy. At number two, Liam, I have Kobe Bryant. Uh, good, good. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a big Kobe fan over here, and uh, I don't, I don't think he's even a top seven or eight player of all time. But out of wow. respect for Mamba. I'm just going to put him here and just leave it at that. He's clear-cut number two. There's no argument putting him ahead of two. There's no argument to put him behind two. All right. My number two is also Kobe Bryant. I mean, 
I never liked him when he played, but the stats are uh, undebatable. I mean, in 05-06, he averaged 35 points per game. A number that wasn't reached again until I think this year with Harden averaging like 37 a game. And 18-time All-Star, 5-time champion, 12-time All-Defensive. He does not get enough credit for his defense, I'll say that. MVP, All-Rookie, 15-time All-NBA, 2-time scoring champ. I mean, there's not much more to say about him. Black Mamba, he's, he's influenced many players in today's game. Including one, of, including Jason Tatum, one of my favorites. Very true. All right, well, and I think it goes without saying who number one is the goat, Michael Jordan. No debate. I have Michael Jordan number one. Let's let's get on to the next subject. All right, let's get on. Time for the history lesson, boys and girls. Where we honor great achievements of the past in the coming week. Forty-one years ago today, June twenty-seventh, boxing's goat Muhammad Ali retired for the third time. Ali was adamant during his pet conference that this was it, but in reality, it wasn't. 30 years ago Monday, on June 29th, Dave Stewart of the Oakland A's and Fernando Valenzuela there you go. both threw a no-hitter. It was the first occurrence in MLB history that there was a no-hitter thrown in both the AL and the NL. My apologies. Valenzuela played for the LA Dodgers. My apologies. And... You know, with a shortened season, I honestly think there's a chance that something else happens that we haven't seen in a while this year. A 400 here. Two years ago, Wednesday, July 1st, the landscape of the NBA changed dramatically as LeBron James announced his departure from Cleveland to sign a four-year deal worth $154 million with the Los Angeles Lakers. LeBron, with the help of Anthony Davis, has the Lakers in the one seed right now, and they are among the favorites to win when, knock on wood, the season resumes, but... I still don't believe they're better than the Clippers. I don't believe they're better than the Bucks, but we'll see. Liam, LeBron James with someone as good as Anthony Davis is going to win the championship. No. What are they going to do for half the game when one of them isn't on the floor? They are a garbage team for that they half are, of the game. They are terrible when LeBron is on the floor. They're terrible when AD is off the floor, too. For... Keep going, keep going. It's all you. I was going to say they're only going to be. It's only going to be for five minutes a game, and LeBron's not on the court. But yeah, it's going to be half the game that one of them isn't on the court, though. All right, all right. Uh, nine years ago, on Wednesday, July third, Novak Djokovic won his first Wimbledon singles championship. Going into 2011, Djokovic was considered a solid player, having won one Grand Slam previously. But it was 2011 that he thrust himself among the best players. In the game. Yep, still not better than Federer. All right, on to the top 10 wide receivers the NFL has ever seen. Will, I might ruffle some feathers here. We'll see. So who's your number 10? All right, I can promise you that our list will not be the same here, Liam. Uh, but to start out, I'm going to say that I feel like for wide receivers, um, I feel like the game has changed so much in recency since like 19, since like the 90s really since Jerry Rice and the West Coast offense, uh, that it's never been a receiver league before that. Um, so I'm not going to have very many players before that because I felt like that was just an era dominated by running backs. Okay, uh, I, th- I have uh, I think I have one, maybe two players before Jerry Rice on my list. Just going to say that. 
as do I. I just feel like the rules uh, were a lot different, benefited the defense a lot more. Oh, um, yeah, rules are constantly changing. Very true. All right, but number 10, I have Don Hudson. Uh, I just feel like I had to put him here out of respect. Some people may not know who he is, so I'll give you all a brief history lesson. Don Hudson played 11 years in Green Bay during the 1940s, and he led the NFL in receiving yards seven times, receptions eight times, and receiving touchdowns nine times. Uh, The two-time MVP was the most dominant player of his time, but sadly I cannot put him any higher than 10 because he played in the floor in the 40s, Liam, but man, was he dominant. That's the reason why I don't have Don Hudson on this list, because he played so long ago when wide receivers were an afterthought in the NFL. It was all about the quarterbacks and the running backs, but I, I, have, I respect you putting him on the list. All right, my number 10 is the receiver who was... Kurt Warner's primary weapon for the greatest show on turf, and that is Isaac Bruce, who played with the St. Louis Rams in the Marshall Falk years, and he really took some of that pressure off of Falk. I mean, his best season was before they really took off when he called for almost 1,800 yards in 1995, but from 1999 to 2002, when the greatest show on turf was at its peak, four straight seasons of 1,000 or more yards. I mean... He's in the Hall of Fame. He won a Super Bowl, four-time Pro Bowler, and he could have been more. It could have been more if players were actually willing to participate in the game. But I mean, he he's underrated in pro football history, if you ask me. All right, Liam, I'm gonna argue why I think he should not be on the list. Uh, you said he took pressure off of Falk. I think it's the other way around. I think he Marshall Falk. Um, put a lot less pressure on Isaac Bruce, um, and uh, I think they faced many, many seven, eight-man boxes. Um, oh, hey, 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 hold on, hold on. But you can make the case that, you, is Michael Irvin on your list? Let me just say that. He is not. I'm going to make that same argument there. He's oh, not. no way, no way. See, I think, look, Michael Irvin, I think, is even more of an extreme than uh, Isaac Bruce. Like, Michael Irvin, like, Michael Irvin, that offense had the greatest offensive line in NFL history. And they had Emmitt Smith, who is a top five running back of all time. And that team, literally, you had to stuff the box against them or you were so screwed. And for Michael Irvin, he's a big physical receiver. He was facing all one-on-one man matchups, and that just is, like, very, very beneficial for him. And he also played with Troy Aikman. And while um, Isaac Bruce played with Kurt Warner, I just felt like their value just goes down because of all of that that I just said. That's, that's the argument I'm making. I disagree. All right, I'll go to my number nine, and... You know, my number nine really didn't blossom into the Hall of Fame type receiver that he is until he was 28 in his seventh season playing for the Minnesota Vikings. That is Chris Carter. But from that point on, he had eight consecutive seasons of 1,000 or more yards until he was 35. That is not easy to do at that age. I think part of the reason why he was uh, kept from... Thousand yards because he didn't play as much early on in his career, but 
the touchdown numbers went up as his as he got older, and I mean, just that consistency for eight years, being able to average over a thousand yards over an eight-year period is not an easy task. All right, no argument there for me. Um, this this might be a little debated. I, I would like to see what your opinions are for this. Uh, at number nine, I have Antonio Brown. Oh, get out. Get out. <laughs> All right, so. No, 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 no. Just because it didn't work out with the Patriots doesn't mean it's not going to work out for this Leslie. Didn't work out in Pittsburgh. At least not the at least not at the end. Alright, well well let me let, let me let me get my argument. Alright, so from two thousand eleven to two thousand eighteen, which is the second year, twenty eleven was the second year, he has been a top receiver in the NFL, and for many of those years he's been the best receiver in the NFL. Um, his consistency is incredibly underrated and I think people forget that um, he had over 100 receptions in six great six straight seasons, and he failed to reach a thousand yards only once because he only played 12 games that year. Uh, he's an extraordinary talent that has been the most consistent receiver of this past decade, and I think he's been the best receiver of this past decade uh, while never having a number a good number two option next to him. You know, but I think it's a mistake for any team to sign him. I do. Oh, at this point, at this point, I'm with you. I think, I think, no, I don't. I would not touch Antonio Brown if I were NFL GM. But I feel like his career has done enough for him to earn a spot on this list. All right, my number. You though that. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. GM, I would not touch him. All right, my number eight is a guy who, like a Bruce or Nerman, had a lot of the pressure taken off him by. Who else was on his team? He had one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time thrown to him, and that is Marvin Harrison of the Indianapolis Colts. I mean, as much as the credit as you want to give to Peyton Manning, Marvin Harrison played a huge role in the success of those Indianapolis teams. I mean, 2002, he caught, a, he caught 143 passes. I know that seems minimal, given what Michael Thomas did last year, but still, that is impressive in its own right. And their Super Bowl winning season in 06... 1,366 yards, 12 touchdowns. I mean, it is safe to say there's no Peyton Manning without Marvin Harrison. I think that is, some of you may think that's bold, but I think it's true. Peyton Manning is, would not have been as good as he was without this complete stud of a wide receiver. No, no disagreements there. I uh, think he is the most underrated receiver of all time. Um, uh, I feel like, um, he doesn't get enough credit for Peyton Manning's career, um, and I actually have him higher on this list. But uh, number eight for me uh, is uh, Steve Largent. Uh, okay. Another player. I'm sorry? Sorry. I, I can respect that. Um, another player who uh, modeled consistency over a very long period of time during the 80s for the Seahawks. Um he uh, never played with great a great offense. Um, not even played for a great quarterback. Never played for a great running game. Um, I mean, the guy just was so consistent over such a long period of time. He had some of the best hands of all time. And Liam, 
he played his entire career without gloves. Can you believe that? No. He deserves to be on this list for that alone. Uh, Absolutely. And the seven-time Pro Bowler when he retired was the all-time leader in receptions, yards, and touchdowns when he retired. So he uh, was the GOAT before the GOAT. Um, so for that, I have him at number eight. Alright, why don't you get into your number seven? I my number seven might be unpopular, but I'll let you hear I'll let you go with yours first. My number seven. Alright, uh, I have Chris Carter comes in at number right. seven for me. Uh, I don't feel like I need to say much. He kinda of took everything. He got cut after his third year by the Eagles, and I think it's awesome that he had it came back and had a correct an incredible career with the Vikings. Uh, he uh some of the best hands ever. He uh, one of the best sideline receivers of all time. Uh, racked over over a thousand yards in eight straight years. Uh, and yeah, that I don't have anything much else to say. For Chris Carter. All right, my number seven is a guy who would be much, much, much higher on this list if he didn't retire so young. And I want to say this as well. Another reason I didn't include AB was because. He was not the best receiver in football, undisputedly, while he was playing. However, Calvin Johnson most definitely was. I mean, in 2012, almost 2,000 yards receiving. I don't think that had ever been done before. And over the last six years of his career, always had over 1,000 yards receiving, including a season in which he only played 13 games. That's even more impressive when you think about it. I believe he is underrated all time because he retired so young. Megatron... Made the Pro Bowl six times in a nine-year career. It was a sh- it was honestly a shame that he retired so young because he had so much potential to become an all-time great. Uh, no arguments there. You will hear about him earlier on my on my list. Um, number six, I have Marvin Harrison, um, the runner-up in all-time receptions. Um, he is arguably a top, he's arguably the best route runner of all time. Not the flashiest guy, but he get the job done time and time again for Peyton Manning. And during an era where receivers weren't super flashy, like some other guys on this list, Chris Carter, some other guys not named yet, um, he uh, was arguably the best receiver of the 2000s. Alright, I already know you're going to disagree with this, but at number 6, I have Michael Irvin. As much as the credit as you want to give to Ezekiel Elliott, Irvin was a... Not Ezekiel Elliott, Emmitt Smith. I am so sorry, folks. As much as the credit as you want to give to Emmitt... Cowboys fans. Yeah, I know. Emmitt Smith. Well, Michael Irvin was a huge part of that triplets offense. I mean, seven seasons of a thousand or more yards after he broke through... Three-time Super Bowl champion. I mean, when you're the best receiver on a three-time Super Bowl winning team, it speaks magnitude to how good of a player you are. I know that you don't like him because he played with Emmitt Smith. In my opinion, the best running back the NFL has ever seen. But that's a discussion for another time. Wait, you think Emmitt Smith is the best running back ever? Either him or Barry. Okay, I, I strongly disagree. I don't think either of those are the best. Who, who do you think is the best before we move on to our top five? Uh, I think 
Jim Brown and Walter Payton are very close ones. Okay, I can res- I can respect that. Um, all right, so uh, here's why I Mar- Michael Irvin only made four Pro Bowls five. in one All Pro Bowl. All Pro. I'm sorry, five in one All Pro. And uh, I just felt like his value to that offense was. Um, not as big. Like I'm, I'm. Like if you put Michael Irvin on any other team in any other period, he would not be. Um, he would not be on this list. Okay, I see. I see, your, I see your point. I see your point. All right. Uh, all right. I had a very tough time with this, Liam, but I'm putting T.O. at number five. Okay. Okay. Um, no disrespect. Yeah, he's uh, is he is he on your list? He is. He is. All right, all right. Um, one of the most talented receivers to ever put on pads. Um, but uh, I just believe that there are four receivers that I would take on my team over Terrell Owens. Uh, we all know how credible and funny was to watch. Um, but um, I think uh, all of the uh, drama surrounding him. Uh, I think I'm going to pass uh, over these four guys. Yeah, there was a lot of drama starting to you, undeniably. I'll get to him more on later. All right, my number five, I have Steve Largent. And you made a point earlier about how wide receivers weren't that amazing before Jerry Rice. However, I think Steve Largent is the one exception to that. I mean, in my opinion, he revolutionized the way wide receivers play. Not not as much as the West Coast offense did, but when you think about, I mean, Steve Largent is the earliest wide receiver I have on this list, and for that reason, I couldn't put him any lower. I mean, seven-time Pro Bowler, and I think the one thing missing from his resume is a ring. Quarterbacks, he, I, I know he didn't have much help in Seattle, but he's widely considered one of the greatest offensive players in Seattle football history for... No small reason. I'm just going to say that. Yeah. Um, I have no argument there. Um, I feel like I feel like as a receiver, I feel like um, a ring doesn't mean as much to their resume as other guys because they have – I felt like they have very little control over the outcome of the game. Um, okay. So I feel like um, rings don't mean as much for receivers. That's just me. Okay. Um, all right, so number four, this is where I have Megatron. All right. Um, I'm going to make the Sandy Koufax argument here. I believe uh, Megatron was everything T.O. was in terms of athleticism and talent with an even higher peak. Um, he was unbelievable in his prime, and from 2011 or 2010 to 2013, um, there is no argument at all who the best receiver in the NFL was, and it was Megatron. Um, the season where he had almost 2,000 yards um, is a record that still holds and probably will take a long time to be broken. Hmm. Uh, I feel like he's done enough to earn his number four spot, and I would just personally take him over T.O. I have T.O. number four. I mean, controversy <laughs> aside... He's one of, undisputedly one of the greatest receivers ever to play the game of football. Average over 1,000 yards per year. I mean, he did it with such consistency. Let's see. He did it 1, 2, 3, 4. 
He did it nine times, and it would have been higher if he had been able to stay healthy some years. And, you know, he's had a lot of drama. I don't think anyone's ever going to forget that popcorn celebration with Dallas, which in its own is kind of funny, but at the same time controversial. And that, that being said, still one of the most talented to ever do it, and did it with consistency that is rare in today's NFL. Yeah, I think another thing for T.O. is he played for so many teams. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't have the uh, longevity, sort of, that another guy that I have on my list that I haven't talked about yet has. Well, Liam, would you like to go with number three? I will go with number three. My number three is the only active receiver I have on this list, and that is Larry Fitzgerald, the I believe number two all time in receptions, which is a uh, receiving yards. Receiving yards. Receiving yards. Excuse me, which is impressive in its own right. And the fact that I think he's only the fact that he's only been an All Pro one time is, I believe, tremendously disrespectful to how good of a receiver he is. I mean, he started at age twenty-one. He's thirty-six right now and still going strong. I mean, the numbers have gone down, yes, but from '05 to '11, he was undoubtedly the best wide receiver in football. That was when Megatron took over. He had a few off years. Then he was back at it in 15, 16, and 17 with Carson Palmer at the quarterback in Arizona. I think a lot of Fitzgerald's success comes from the quality of the quarterback there. That may be true. That may not be true. Because I noticed how in 2018 he did not have a great year with, I don't even know who their quarterback was, Josh Rosen. But I think I think this year with uh, having played a year previously with Kyler Murray, he's going to be a huge force to be reckoned with. Well, um, Liam, I, I cannot uh, express how happy I am that you had Larry Fitzgerald at three, because I also have him at three. I did not expect you to put him this high. This is my, like, big shocker. But what? Wow. I have Larry Fitzgerald at number three. Um, there are several guys in this list lower than Larry that are more physically gifted than he was, um, but I would take Fitz over each one of them. Um, his longevity is... Second to only Jerry Rice. You can maybe argue Steve Largent, but that's besides the point. Um, spent his entire career with a below-average organization um, in the Arizona Cardinals. And I think his work off the field with his uh, Walter Payton Man of the Year Award in 2016 speaks for itself. And I would take um, – you, you just want Larry Legend to be on your football team, period. Um, his post – his uh, he had one of the – best performances of a receiver in the Super Bowl uh, when he played the Steelers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was incredible. Um, Got betrayed by uh, by the sidelines in that game. He sure did. He sure did. Should have got uh, James Harrison. Yeah, but, that too. Uh, yeah, that's all I got for Larry Fitzgerald. All right, my number two is certainly a colorful guy to say the least. I mean... He, you could call him Antonio Brown before Antonio Brown, and that is Randy Moss, because he ended up with two, three, four, f- five teams throughout his career, including three in one controversial 2010 season. But before all that, he was a beast. He had or he had 1,300 yards in his rookie season. He had 10 seasons of over 1,000 yards. That is unheard of for the wide receiver position today. I mean, 
him and Larry Fitzgerald, you could easily make an argument that both of them were the best wide receiver in the game before Megatron. I give a slash to Fitzgerald because he had a little bit more longevity in staying in a certain with a certain team. But you know, Randy Moss, controversy aside, one of the most gifted to ever play. Uh, I also have Randy Moss, second greatest wide receiver of all time. Uh, I think he's the most physically gifted receiver we've ever seen. He is standing at six foot four. This is this is I googled this. He reportedly ran a four two five forty yard dash. Really? And he reportedly posted a fifty one inch vertical. Oh my god! I don't know how true that is, but that doesn't surprise me. No, it doesn't surprise me either. Freakishly athletic. I mean, if catching a ball over someone is named after you, I think you're one of the best to ever do. Absolutely. I mean, the segment on a Monday Night Countdown, You've Got Mossed, is one of the most popular for a reason. Exactly. Football, I don't think, has ever seen anything like it before or since. And I think Randy Moss sits comfortably at number two. And I think it goes without saying, our number one is again, I have Jerry Rice the best wide receiver of all time. As much as you can attribute that to Stickham, I don't think it was illegal back then. But, you know, 13-time Pro Bowler, two-time Super Bowl champ, most receiving yards of all time, undoubtedly the best to ever play. I don't think I have also have Jerry Rice, without a doubt. Uh, I don't think Stickham uh, plays a factor. The guy cut practice catching with bricks. So, I mean, the guy obviously can catch anything. Uh, but Liam, I'm not going to debate this. I'm going to debate, uh, my debate is going to be, uh, I'm not going to spend talking about number one receiver. The real debate is if he's the greatest football player of all time. Ooh, I think that he is. Really? I, that he is. I would love to hear your argument against this, but I'm saying- most touchdowns, most touchdowns within for anyone, uh, of all time, a running back and receiver. Which I think is incredibly impressive. I don't know how much of I don't know how much of his success is due to this, but Jerry Rice played with two of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play the game, and Joe Montana and Steve Young. That is that is a, a that is a great argument. A so great you can make the point that he wasn't the leader on those teams, whereas you know who I think the goat is was the leader of six Super Bowl winning teams. See, here here's what. You can make the exact same argument with the Yeah, yeah, you, you can make the argument that Belichick leads New England, let him, but, and that's that's part of the reason why I think the upcoming NFL season is going to be so fascinating, because Brady has the chance to prove that Belichick doesn't deserve all the credit for the New England success over the past two decades. Yeah, I, I agree. This, this next season will be very telling. But the reason why I'm not going to argue, I think Tom Brady's best quarterback of all time, even though I hate to say that. Uh, I'm not going to argue that, but I think as a pure football player, I think Jerry Rice is the best ever to ever do it. Okay, I can respect that. I can respect that. He was not a freak athlete, but he worked harder than everyone else. That, that's my that's my argument. All right, I respect it. Well, folks, that's all we have for today. I'm Will Turlington. I'm Liam Griffin. I'd like to thank Will for being my guest again today, and thank you for tuning in. Be sure to give this podcast a follow on Instagram at Volker Press Podcast. And if you're interested in being a guest, please DM the podcast or contact me. Be sure to tune in next week for a special 4th of July episode as we break down the top 10 active catchers and all-time small forwards. 
Please, please, please stay healthy, wash your hands, stay home, and stay positive. And we'll see you next week.